We spent a good three days in here just trying different doughs to work with that oven. We originally went really high and um, it wasn't that great. The pizza was good, but it was only good for about two minutes. Matching the moisture content to the heat that we use the oven at was, was the biggest challenge. In the land of lobster rolls, chowda, and fried bellies, how do you stand out as a pizza maker? In the case of one young couple, you divide and conquer. She makes the dough, he mans the wood-burning oven. But this is not your typical Neapolitan situation either. The story of Oysterhead Pizza in picturesque Damariscotta, Maine, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to the show this week, everybody. Great to have you along with us as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully, you are going to be socially distanced or outside. Uh, if you're f- meeting your family members, uh, definitely precarious time of year for all of us. But in Chicago, I will tell you, the pizza scene continues to explode. In just the last week or two, I mean, I've received press releases. Let us entertain you, for example, a big private restaurant group here. They've got a Detroit-style pizza out of the northern suburbs, delivery only, from a ghost kitchen. They've got a tavern-style pizza uh, right downtown in River North, uh, delivery or pickup only. And then some really small operators, a crust fund pizza, which he doesn't technically sell the pizzas. You make a donation to a charitable organization, and you pick up the tavern-style pie in his by his garage in his alley once a month. Uh, Milled to Spill is another one doing Sicilian-style. Paper-thin pizza is a a tavern-style joint down in Bridgeport. Um, Not to mention all of the sort of uh, ghost kitchens, brick-and-mortars that are popping up as well, and a lot of people pivoting to pizza. So um, the reason I mention this is because I just got a green light last week from Northwestern University Press. We're going to do Volume 2 for the pizza book here in Chicago. Probably not going to be called Pizza City, but something along the lines of uh, the ultimate guide to Chicago pizza. Uh, Again, about 100 places, but uh, 30, at least 30 new ones um, from the last edition. That's how many pizza places have popped up here in just the last nine months. Uh, But we are beginning uh, today's show on the East Coast. Again, we're going back and forth. Um, We've got one more down east I'm going to do. I'm going to hold it for the springtime because it's really, it's really tough to get to this part of the country this time of the year once we get into winter. Uh, But I am going to talk about this place today, about an hour and a half north of Portland, in the beautiful, bucolic, picturesque town of Damariscotta, on the Damariscotta River. Uh, Just gorgeous place uh, to to vacation. And we were going to Red's, which is a legendary place for for lobster rolls and other down east fare like, like chowder and and fried bellies, and then about 10 minutes away, up uh, up north, I guess, is Damariscotta, and a place called Oysterhead Pizza, and um, there's the owners we didn't meet, but the two folks running it um, were the ones we talked to today, um, and they were just so passionate about what they are doing. Um, 
and by the way, some of the greatest names for pizzas I've ever seen on a menu, a lineup that someone like Polly G would definitely appreciate, all named for obscure movies or obscure movie characters or scenes. So we're going to talk about that today a bit. Uh, but we begin with the, really the best view so far while taping our show. In the year and a half plus of doing this show, today's episode certainly takes the cake in terms of best view from the dining area. I'm looking at this beautiful body of water um, as I'm talking to my guests today. What a beautiful setting here in the town of Damariscada, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, about an hour and a half, give or take, change north of Portland. I'm with Nick Krunkala and Caroline Zeller of Oysterhead Pizza. Did I pronounce everything correctly, guys? Yes. So far. All right. All right. Thanks, Nick. Okay. So um, we've got a couple of pizzas yeah. out here on the patio, on uh, the table. Boy, what a great view you have of is the, what is the river we're looking at? This is Damariscotta River. Okay. That makes sense. First question we always ask all our guests, your first pizza memory, the kind of pizza you grew up eating. What's your, your earliest pizza memories? Uh, pepperoni. Traditional. From? Pizza Joint in Portland. Okay. How about you, Caroline? It would also be maybe just a cheese pizza from a local pizza spot here when I was a kid. And were they typical sort of East Coast giant, little bit greasy, foldable wedges? Yeah, absolutely. How did you guys get into this business? Uh, well, Nick, we'll start with you. Culinary background, or were you interested at an early age? Uh, yeah, so I started co- I've been cooking my whole life. Um, I went to culinary school. I went to a regular college in Long Island, New York, and then I went to culinary school um, afterwards. And I worked in New York for about six, seven years and then moved back up to Maine um, and just been working in different restaurants ever since. Was the thought always going to be pizza? No. The unique thing about this is Alex and Rachel Nevins, they're, they're the owners. They have let us can have full control over this. Pizza was always my favorite food growing up. So I kind of wanted to create something that I could come to with my, with my two kids and that my cooks could come to. Um, because most restaurants you work at, um, you only, you you don't get any days off and you have to save, the cooks have to save up like two months worth of pay just to eat there. And I could have everybody come here. Caroline, what was your background? I've worked in restaurants for all of my uh, employment career, but it was always in the front of the house. Uh, so then I went off to school and, um, the second time around I went for restaurant management and the whole first year were all culinary classes. So that was kind of my first experience in um, the back of the house and, and in the kitchen. And I really, I really enjoyed that of working with my hands. Um, and then when that was all, when I finished school, I raised pigs uh, locally. And that sort of opened up my eyes to the, the culinary world, what we have in this area specifically for ingredients and producers. It was just sort of a struck of luck that I found employment with a local bakery. I've always felt like an artistic person and it was like I finally found my medium. as you guys love pizza I mean Nick you're saying there's not really a pizza culture from here to Portland or even beyond in Maine it's just a lot of chains yeah exactly but we're trying to be super unique with our toppings well tell me about the pizza a little bit so we were getting into this thought of the kind of pizza you guys are going to do you're talking with the owners you said they're giving you carte blanche what was your plan here 
the biggest thing was was choosing that oven. Me and the Nevinsons sat down and we went over a bunch of different ovens and we decided that the, the one that we have, it's a uh, New York brick oven, has a uh, rotating um, stone. It's all assembled in New York. It's all stone from Italy. We wanted it to be full on, um, all powered by wood. Are there a lot of turntable stone deck ovens that are not gas? Because I typically see gas-fired ovens with the turntable, but yours is just wood-fired with your turntable. It's just wood. I have never seen one that wasn't gas. And were you thinking like, okay, this is going to be kind of an artisan pie with a longer ferment, uh, slightly longer bake, or because you're using double zero flour, maybe it's going to be Neapolitan, like wood-fired? How does uh, how is this all coming together? I think the dough really developed around the oven. We spent a good three days in here just trying different doughs to work with that oven. Different temperature, running the oven at different temperature, high temperature, low temperature. We originally went really high. It wasn't that great. The pizza was good, but it was only good for about two minutes. Matching, matching the moisture content to the heat that we use the oven at was, was the biggest challenge. With a pizza place these days in COVID, people probably want things to go or for takeout. You can't just do a traditional Neapolitan very easily because those do not travel well, right? Exactly. As you're developing this, you're thinking, okay, artisan, you're going to work with local farms. Um, we see lots of local farms and they're sort of name checked on your menu. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I always have. That's always been something really important to me. I, I go as seasonal and as local as possible. Um, and I, I didn't want to get out of my, my style with this. Yeah, pizza's simple, but really there's actually nothing simple about it how Just long did it take you guys to feel comfortable with what you were putting out we still don't <laughs> i mean we do we do but it's um it just gets better and changes every day because you get four seasons here like we do in the midwest so like a humidity is a, is a factor as well when you're talking about how much or how long you're going to age your your dough yeah and and how how much i can make it once even having it sit out on the counter on a on an august in the beginning of august it there were times where I had to start over again because it had just, it had risen so fast. Right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with um, Nick and Caroline here at uh, Oysterhead Pizza. Uh, and we're going to get more specific about some of the styles they're, they're doing here. Talk about dough, talk about fermentation, and I want to talk about some of these crazy wackadoodle flavors. I've got three on the table here we're going to discuss in just a second. So we're going to do that. Plus, we're going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. If you're on a pizza joint, or maybe several pizza joints, you order a ton of cheese. Why not get a little something in return? Baccio Cheese has a Gold Club Rewards program that literally gives you cash back for every pound of cheese you buy. No tricks or gimmicks. They send you a Visa card loaded with cash every month so you can buy whatever you want. Dinner for your family, maybe a gift for an employee. No strings attached. The more cheese you buy, the higher the rate of reimbursement. There's gold, platinum, and for you heavy-duty cheese users, there's the diamond level. Here's another bonus. Gold Club members get funds twice a year to use in Baccio's marketing store to use for things like custom printing menus and pizza box stickers, things you'll actually use, plus marketing support for social media and websites. New members also get a cool handcrafted pizza peel. Now that's practical, and right there, 
tells you they understand your business. Baccio cheese is available exclusively through the PFG Reinhardt Foods Network. See which rewards tier you qualify for by visiting BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA and enroll today. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are at Oysterhead Pizza in the town of Damariscata, uh, about an hour and a half from change north of Portland. Um, actually, I am on my way to somewhere else. I am going up to Stonington, which is another two hours or so north. Uh, but I definitely wanted to stop here at Oysterhead. I'm talking with Nick Krunkela and Caroline Zeller, um, sort of the chef and baker, not the owners, the chef and baker of the restaurant. And you've got a couple of interesting flavors here, Nick, on the table. Before we talk about these flavors, let's talk about the dough, Caroline. So you said double zero flour. Yeah. To me, I always think that's Neapolitan, so high heat, 90 second bake, but no, not the case here. No, we tried that, but we didn't find that it worked well with what we wanted to top the pizza with. Uh, oh, so your dough was dictated by what you wanted to top it with? A little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. If if we were able to get the right color on the bottom of the dough, but the toppings were not done enough, we would go back to the drawing board and start it over again. Uh, because we really wanted to find a way for them both to work together. Okay, so you're using commercial yeast and a little bit of a starter that you've done yourself. Yep, I have a starter that is about a year old now. Um, Fair amount of water in the dough? Yes, it is a high, uh, a high humidity, over 60 And you said you don't do it overnight. There is no overnight fermentation. There is not. Uh, As I said, the dough has really progressed as we have. And I used to do an overnight ferment. Everything did need to be made the uh, night before. We needed to be making dough almost two two times a day. So having dough that did not need to sit for hours until it was oven ready was really important. Nick, in terms of toppings, your sauce, let's start with the sauce basics here. Tomato sauce, what, what, what are you using? So um, I have three different sauces on the menu. My tomato sauce, um, I roast all the tomatoes in the oven, Ro- the garlic's roasted in the oven, everything's made in there. That's the only heat source that we have. Wait, tomatoes like local tomatoes? Uh, no, I have uh, San Marzano's, okay. canned San Marzano's. Okay, can- okay, so you roast those though? I, ro- I roast all that, yeah. Okay. Um, and then I have a white sauce, which is uh, it's a milk base, goat cheese, and then our pizza, our pizza blend. That's that. And then what I call gonzo sauce. It's on the menu as Duke Cell. I call it gonzo sauce. That is a um, it's a marsala mushroom Duke Cell base. Duke Cell is typically the stems of the mushrooms that are chopped up, right, and then yep. sautéed. Yeah, exactly. So what I do here is um, I let them roast for a little bit um, with a lot of garlic, um, red wine. And then I add um, a bunch of button mushrooms that are sliced really, really thin. And I add marsala to it, then heavy cream, and at the very end, Parmesan cheese. And then I use, like, um, seasonings you would typically use in a bratwurst sausage. So really, like, warming flavors, things that would go really well with a mushroom. Neophyte that I am, I thought Oysterhead referred to oyster mushrooms. And so then you told me the owners are fans of fish, the band. So there's an Oysterhead reference there, yeah? That is where the Oysterhead reference comes in. Yes, it's from... Oysterhead, the band. The band. Okay, um, let's. And also, one more thing I want to talk about is the smoker that's sitting right behind you. Um, before we brought the before you brought the pizzas out here, you gave me some smoked chicken wings. So you you like to use your smoker quite a bit to smoke everything, yeah? Yeah, I, I smoke. I have a smoked tomato sauce. Um, 
that I put on some of the different small plates. So I smoke my tomatoes in there. I smoke my chicken thighs for two of the different pizzas on there. And I smoke my wings for three hours in butter on the, on the smoker. And there's also your bacon. It takes like, what, a week to make? Yeah, the bacon is like a nine-day process. So it cures for seven days, and then it takes a full seven to eight hours to cook it, and then I have to let it rest before I can slice it. Okay, so with that in mind, let's talk about this first one here. Uh, that, the one that's named after your, your daughter, yeah? Yeah, so that is uh, Cadence's Pizza on the menu. So it has the, um, that's the seven-hour smoked bacon, um, our house sausage, and Kalamata olives. And it's um, the traditional red sauce and our pizza cheese blend. Cheese you guys use? So I'm on the uh, Baccio line. So it's a mozzarella provolone blend. blend. To kind of make it a little bit New England-esque, we add um, uh, cheddar cheese to it. Cheddar? Cheddar. And also um, the pepperoni is is Baccio as well. So this, I just started rolling with this part of my fall menu. Um, So it is a venison meatloaf. Uh, gonzo sauce on the bottom, fresh mozzarella, Gruyere cheese, and then I finish it with um, pickled mustard seeds. And it has a little steak sauce on there too, so it's tangy, sweet, earthy. Is part of that to give it a little umami boost because you got mushroom and also there's probably Worcestershire in the steak sauce? Yes, I like and I like to add a little bit of acidity and um, pickles. I pickle just about everything, and I think just just adding that um, acidic note to things just enhances the flavor a little bit more. Now looking at the menu here, I noticed some names, some are familiar, some are not. Lisa Simpson, I know who that is. Um, Marty McFly, Back to the Future, but I don't recognize a lot of these other ones. Okay, so um, let's go with this one. This one I just came up with. uh, Michael Vronsky is the venison pizza, so venison is deer meat. Michael Vronsky was Robert De Niro's character in The Deer Hunter. Okay, that makes sense. Let's see. Uh, uh, Connie Ripley. That's the uh, the beet pizza that was in the squash. Connie Ripley was John Candy's wife in The Great Outdoors. There's that scene um, when she's trying to get him to go out with Dan Aykroyd, and she's like, come on, we're all going to have goat cheese pizza together. And that this pizza has goat cheese. So, okay. And he's like, I hate goat cheese pizza. But there we go. What's Jesse Pinkman? So Jesse Pinkman was from Breaking Bad and in um, El Camino, which was the spinoff uh, movie that they made. There's a scene when um, Todd is like torturing Jesse and he said, um, Jesse, I'm thinking about getting pizzas tonight. What's your favorite type of pizza? And he's like bleeding and about to die. And he's like, <laughs> he just says pepperoni. So the pepperoni pizza is the Jesse Pinkman. Kevin McAllister was, you said Home Alone? Home Alone, Kevin McAllister. He wanted a plain cheese pizza and that caused the, the whole issue as to why he wasn't able to go on the trip and ha- he had to sleep upstairs by himself. All right, one more. Angelo Pappas. Ah, yes, I'm glad you asked this. So Angelo Pappas was Gary Busey's character in Point Break. There's a scene when they're on stakeout and he's talking about um, a sub shop down the street. He says, this sub shop has the best meatball sandwich I've ever had. I want you to go down there and get me two. So the Angelo Pappas has our house-made meatballs and pickled peppers. And for vegetarians, this other one here is just gorgeous. Uh, Connie Ripley? Connie Ripley. So um, that is one of my. I have a. I have a bunch of different uh, vegetarian and vegan options on here, but this is one. This is another fall one. Um, it's the white sauce base, um, beets, pickled apples, buttercup squash, spigariello, goat cheese, um, local honey, 
and I finish it with uh, crushed pistachios. That's the first time I've seen an Italian braising green on a pizza. It must it does well? I mean, you have to do anything beforehand, or no? I just I it chars up really really well. Um, I, it was something my farmer put me onto last winter or last fall, and I just really liked it. We we kale and that stuff just chars up really nice in that high temperature oven. And so even though you mentioned high temperature, so again, even though you're burning wood, you're looking at it 550 to 600 is kind of your ideal temperature? Yeah, I get the best results for me, five, 550 to 600. Doesn't cut, and, I, and I, it takes about five minutes. Typically, most pizza is 90 seconds, and you, you just blast off, and I feel like it doesn't cook evenly, and um, it gets it gets a little too soft in the middle, and the cheese doesn't melt all the way through 100%. Yeah, and as a baker, Caroline, you, you don't want to see your pizza disintegrate after two minutes. Someone takes it out the door. It's, by the time it's in their car, they get it home. It's like mush. Yeah, so um, doing a having a good gluten structure and having that nice rise was really important to me. And I do think that the lower oven temperature allows for a good, um, it starts out slow, but then after it's been in there for about a minute and a half, you can, you just, you just watch it rise. And it's been a process teaching everybody how to stretch the dough. That's a really important uh, step in, in this process, teaching them how to uh, roll it out with retaining all of all of the air that's already in the dough. You've got a pretty nice cornichone, actually. Um, d- d- despite the number of ingredients that are on in the middle, you get a nice little rise and some nice little bubbles uh, popping on the on the perimeter. Yeah, I think in the uh, it has a really nice sourdough taste. You can taste that sourdough. It's even though it's not fully fermented product that that sourdough is really strong i call it it's our opc funk opc oyster head pizza company company. yes opc funk something to add to that too uh when we first started we did a lot we used rolling pins we rolled the dough out Uh, we want to do everything by hand but then we found that doing uh tossing the dough is super important it just adds life to it puts it puts air back into it and um we we got rid of all our rolling pins. Now, of course. Well, the, the purists listening to this are going to say, wait a second, you just mentioned like 18 different items on a pizza. I exaggerate a little bit. Um, but, you know, less is more typically, right? Cheese, maybe a protein, and maybe a veg. Um, how, how have you been able to get away with this? Because of the structure of the dough, because it's got a lot of support that you're not totally destroying it and killing it and overweighing it with the uh, toppings? I, I guess it has a lot to do with the dough. I mean, nothing I do is, is traditional as far as cooking goes. So, um, But you are cooking a lot of times before they're going onto the pie. Like, you've already smoked the bacon. You've made the sausage. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yep. Like, and, unlike in the Midwest, sausage doesn't go on raw here? No, no, definitely definitely not. Um, all, all of that is, is cooked ahead of time, and it's all tested way before. I don't just throw things on. And hope for the best. Pray for it. This is we put a lot of effort into into making sure everything comes out perfectly. Okay. Last question we ask uh, all of our guests on the show. Um, I'll ask both of you so you can answer individually. Um, knowing what you know now about pizza making, and it's learned quite a bit in the last year plus. Uh, what would you tell your younger self, maybe a year and a half ago, not only about opening a pizza place, but opening a pizza place during the pandemic? Because that also affects, I think, what what you think about going into making pizza opening a pizza place during the pandemic was probably this any kind of restaurant was probably the scariest thing at first um it turns out that this was like the the perfect thing uh during the pandemic but because right now people need comfort food 
and um, food that can travel well. What would I tell myself a year ago? Um, patience, patience. It takes time to figure out the best thing that works for you and never settle. Always be, um, always be trying to make it better because it changes. So if you have owners that are controlling the purse strings, tell them to be patient as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Caroline? I would say in the last year, I have learned to trust myself a lot more and, and, and my, my, my instincts. Listen to your first idea because there were a lot of times where I had my first idea and then I'd, I'd go look at something online, read a blog, read a recipe and think, no, this is not the right way to do it. And, um, but every time I just went back to my original idea, my original plan, it, it worked out really well. Pizza place, again, it's called Oysterhead Pizza Company. Um, it's in the town of Damariscotta. It's about 10 minutes past Red's, uh, where you're going to go get a lobster roll anyway if you're going to be in this neck of the woods, and about an hour and a half or so north of Portland. Certainly worth a drive. Beautiful little town. Come see Nick Krunkela and Caroline Zeller here at Oysterhead. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, coming up in two weeks, I talk with one half of the British duo behind not just a pizza restaurant, but a new book on the subject. Hey, everybody. Tom here from Pizza Pilgrims. We are super excited to be coming on Pizza City to tell you all about our new book, Pizza. It's our love letter to everyone's favorite food. It includes city guides, recipes, and most of all, stories of all the cool people that make pizza. Tom Elliott, one of the self-identified pizza pilgrims, joins me to talk about that new book, Several Years in the Making. That's in two weeks on December 4th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And rate us, please. I would love to know what you like or dislike about what we're doing. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is PizzaCityUSA.com. You'll find tour information, which will restart in the spring, probably in May, and then a list of short pizza recaps in some other cities I've visited, including New York City. That is on the About tab. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And just to remind everybody, stay safe, wear the mask, keep social distancing, and please keep supporting your local pizzerias. You need them to come out on the other side of this. Keep your favorites afloat during the pandemic. Thanks for listening, everybody, and here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always.